Welcome to Hubbub, the people's podcast, where we engage our citizens and investors with the activities of the Planning and Code Administration and encourage everyone to contribute to Hagerstown's growth. Well, welcome to the November edition of the Hubbub podcast. How is the co-host with the most, Donnie Harkham, doing today? I'm doing pretty good. We're on number 17. How are you doing, Sean Uh, Brown? Yeah, I'm doing great. Good. I probably like a lot of people like yourself. I like this time of year. It's fall. Not getting really cold yet, but it's pleasant. Right. Yeah. Nice, nice day out today. A little chilly, but wind's not blowing. So it's, if you're out and around the area, it's nice to take a little stroll. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been pretty nice here. Of course, with the time of season we're in right now, uh, very soon we, we, we will be in the colder months. Yes. It's coming quick. Yeah. Yeah. And so the podcast that we prepared today is really centered around how uh, people can really conserve energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As well as uh, some safety tips as well that may help. Um, because again, you know, with the times we're living in, Donnie, it's a lot of economic hardships. And they're trying Absolutely. to save money every area they can. And then a lot of times money can be lost when they lose it because they're not able to conserve energy in their homes. Exactly. And not only that, but also preparing for the upcoming winter. You know, definitely good to have uh, have some tips in your back pocket. Absolutely. So that's the focus of our podcast today. We're going to talk about uh, energy-saving tips and other safety tips that will be valuable to our listeners today. Uh, and when I think about today, I think about this podcast really being uh, of help to those who uh, maybe rent in our city, mm-hmm. as you know, in a lot of cities, because... Uh, those who perhaps rent are not as in much control of where they live and only, you know, are limited in what you can do wherever you're renting. But there are things you can do to, to conserve money because the last thing you want to do is spend a lot of money that you're trying to save um, in, in lost energy costs. So, yeah, very, very tight economic situation today. But uh, today we're going to talk about a number of elements within the home that uh, you could perhaps benefit from you know, saving some money. We're going to look at the elements such as the building itself. We're going to look at electrical, plumbing, and HVAC. So, uh, first of all, when it comes to our, our home, whatever it is, our, our apartment, uh, just thinking just sometimes natural things that can help us to conserve energy. Uh, think about the windows that face the sun at any given time during the day. There's free solar heat. So open up the curtains, let the sun shine in, and get that natural heat. It's again, it's free, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so those are just things that you have to remember to do. And then, of course, your windows, you know, a lot of air, heat that is, can be lost through windows, especially if they're broken. Maybe there's older windows in your home and you're losing heat. You know, you stick your hand up to the outside of the window sash and you can feel that cold air coming in. So just, you know, it's, we're not talking about an expensive fix there, a few dollars to maybe repair glass or weather stripping. It's going to go a long way in helping to save money on that back end when you have to pay your electric or your gas bill. And, uh, you know, sometimes um, you have the opportunity to insulate. You know, sometimes you may have an open attic or maybe an open floor space. Just check those areas and uh, maybe insulate where possible. That can go a long way in helping to conserve heat within the home. It's, it's really, again, sometimes, understandably, people don't want to spend money on, on these things but it helps you to save a lot of money on the back end if you implement them. 
Exactly. And like you mentioned earlier, it's not just for homeowners, not just for renters, um, because there's some things, like you said, renters just cannot do. You know, they may not be able to replace windows without um, getting a hold of the owner first. But there's a lot of um, tips in here that we'll be able to give you that don't necessarily have to, you know, run by your uh, landlord or owner's uh permission yeah. so so the first thing we want to talk about here are um, electrical tips you know these are a few tips that don't cost any money but um, some that we should occasionally do um, yeah I urge everyone to turn off lights when they're leaving a room you know consider installing uh, wall switches in convenient places um, you know this helps everyone remember and um, for my, some reason my one-year-old just has not figured this out yet <laughs> I don't know if he can't reach it or what but he's not uh, caught on to the whole light situation um, also, be sure to turn off um, the television when uh, nobody's watching. And I believe uh, Mr. Sean Brown, he informed me of something you do often with your television. So you're calling me out on the show? I am. Okay. I am. We talked All about right. it. I have to call it out here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a bad habit, especially maybe if I'm the only one home and I just, you know, want to hear noise. And even I'll go sometimes down in the basement. I'll just leave the TV on. It can be running for hours. I know that's not the smartest thing to do. That's adding to my electrical bill, and, right? You know, so bad habit. It's a bad habit, but that's why we're here. It might might not be something uh, you've thought about previously. So maybe Sean will um, reduce some of these bad habits after this show. So. Thank you for helping me, my ways. We'll see. <laughs> um, we also want to avoid um, opening the oven door uh, for a peak when you're baking. Uh, we all do this on occasion, but each time you open the door, a considerable amount of heat uh, leaves the oven. Um, if your oven has an interior light, try using that instead. I know I make tons of frozen pizzas and I'm guilty of this one, but I do try to use that light whenever possible. And so now we'll talk about electrical, electrical portable heaters. Uh, and remember, portable heaters are supplemental heat. Uh, the primary source of heat for a home is, should come from a permanent appliance or a fixture in your home. And if your furnace is broken or not functioning properly, make sure you call a licensed repair person to make the corrections. If you do not have the money to make the repairs, call your local jurisdiction. They may be able to help you. Um, here in Hagerstown, we have emergency grants administered through the Community and Economic Development Department, and you can call them at 301-739-8577, extension 111, as soon as possible, and you know they can potentially you know, give you some of this grant money. All right, so now back to the portable heaters. You want to make sure you place these space heaters in an open area. They should be placed on a level, hard, and non-flammable surface so air can circulate around the room. And make sure you keep them at least three feet away from any flammable materials. And also remember to turn portable heaters off when you're leaving the room. You know, similar to Sean's bad TV habit, make sure you turn them off when you're leaving the room or going to bed. And if you like to be warmer at night, try using an extra blanket instead. Do not leave these heaters on overnight. And never use your oven to heat your home. It's very dangerous and expensive. And, you know, it's very dangerous to use your oven to heat a home. And this is something we see. You know, it's not cheaper than running your electric baseboard heat, as some people do believe. And we have heard of using um, people using their oven to dry their clothes. <laughs> this does not sound like a good idea at all. It sounds very scary. So please do not do that. And um, I can speak to this one. I was on an inspection with uh, an owner one day. Uh, the tenants were not home. Um, they had to step out for a little bit. And we get there, 
and their oven is wide open. It's winter time, so it is awfully cold outside, but they were using their oven to heat the house mm. when they weren't there. You know, it, it, it boggles my mind, but people do it, and that's why we just want to give you a friendly reminder why you should not do that. Yeah, yeah, and we discussed that in a previous Correct. Uh, podcast. It's really not efficient as one thinks it is. Exactly. But uh, yeah, so another important element that can really, um, and, and when we think about it, it, it can be huge when it comes to cost saving tips, and that is with our plumbing. Um, just some really nice, reasonable water saving tips that can help us. Uh, for example, uh, encouraging family members to take short showers. I've heard of some families even setting a timer. You know, you got this many minutes. Uh, I wish I'd done that with my son. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, because I remember I'd be sitting there and he'd go up in the shower, and I'm, I know it's been a long time, and then I recognize the shower's still going. You know, of course, I had to threaten him like every parent. You want to help pay the, the water bill? Right. No, okay. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, I never did it, but anyway. Good you thought. Know, yeah. Good thought. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, but you know, the average person uses about half as much hot water in a shower as opposed to taking a bath. So uh, I don't think as many people take baths these days as often. It's nice once in a while, but just a thought to keep into consideration. Um, obviously, when you think about showers, especially if they're short showers, they're gonna use considerably less water than baths. And another point is, you know, turn off water. Sometimes there are things that we do in the bathroom, such as brushing our teeth or even shaving, um, not leaving the water go the whole time, but turn it off when we're in the middle of that routine. It, it's estimated that about a thousand gallons per year per person could be saved if one did that. Do you have any confessions, Donnie, speaking of calling wow. people out? Wow, all right, so we're gonna do it this way, all right. Well, Sean spoke up earlier, I'll speak up on this one. Um, I'm not as guilty with brushing my teeth, but when I'm shaving, I know it doesn't look like I shave too much, <laughs> but uh, I do keep the beard uh, groomed as much as possible. Well, when I do, I do uh, leave the water on um, mm -hmm. in between shaving, so that is something that uh, I definitely need to get better about. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yep, shame, shame. Thank you for keeping me on my toes. You're welcome, yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, you know, again, when we're thinking about our plumbing, uh, it's not unusual to have, for example, leaky faucets mm -hmm. as well. Uh, may not think about it because you're looking at it from time to time, and it's just the occasional drip. But here, think about this statistic. 30 drops a minute, if let go, go, can waste up to 50 gallons a month. And a steady drip from the hot water side of a faucet can not only waste gallons of hot water per month, but the over un unnecessary use of the hot water itself because it's continuing to have to replenish the water and reheat that water. So, you know, these type things, these little things are usually e easy fixes, such as leaky faucet. You're not talking about necessarily always replacing a faucet. Um, sometimes it's just a simple repair. You can go on YouTube and there's all kinds of little repair ideas for leaky faucets. Oftentimes it's a very simple fix with a, with a simple tool. So you're talking about something a very little bit of time, perhaps no cost, that can save quite a bit of money. Uh, here's another one with uh, the use of our dishwashers. You know, a lot of people have dishwashers. Uh, we use them to, uh, of course, wash our dishes. And you know, you think about it, uh, a dishwasher is gonna use the same amount of energy, the same amount of water, whether it's full of dishes or it's half full of dishes. So why not 
wait till you have a full machine of dishes before you run the washer. Uh, Donnie, uh, you know, because, do you, do you have any more confessions? Yes, I, I have another confession here. Um, so I love this tip and I do uh, use it, but you also have to make sure that you run the dishwasher after the dishes are in there. So recently, my wife and I may have left our uh, dishes in there a little bit longer than we should have. And let's just say it wasn't a pretty sight whenever we mm. opened up the dishwasher. So yes, while you should wait to make sure the dishwasher is full, don't wait too long. Make sure you do run it at some point. Thank you. Thank you for that tip. I can almost smell it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A couple of other tips that can be helpful as well when it comes to exhaust fans like uh, we have exhaust fans with our kitchens and in our bathrooms. Uh, you know, only run them basically as needed because what those fans do is they, they go to the outside. And what can happen is if we just leave them running, now we're drawing our heat that we've saved up, that we've paid for, mm -hmm. and now it's being taken out into the open. So just use them as needed um, when necessary. And then the same thing with uh, dryer vents. Of course, those are vented to the exterior of the home as well. So you want to make sure that those are not blocked because what happens is if they're blocked and, and your dryer you know, has to continue to run and you have to keep running it because the moisture is now staying in the dryer, your clothes aren't drying, it's not going to the outside, and that's continual electricity that you unnecessarily have to pay for using your dryer. So, you know, keep, keep the dryer uh, vent, lint trap clean. Lint trap clean. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and the vent as well. Keep that, keep all of those things clean. So a couple more tips. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for those. You know, we're, we're just all about saving people money in this episode. So I want to give you some more uh, money saving tips in regards to your HVAC system. So make sure the heat can actually get into your room. You want to make sure uh, furniture and drapes they're not that they're not blocking the radiators the heat registers or the return vents and if you're feeling cold in the house you know don't turn up the thermostat all the time try wearing a sweater or sweatshirt i know i try to um, get on my wife about that you know instead of touching thermostat let's just put on a sweatshirt well she threw that one at me the other day when i asked if we could turn the uh, thermostat up a little bit <laughs> so that came back and bit me but it's a good tip nonetheless and make sure you're checking your uh, furnace filter at least once a month during the heating season and clean or replace it as needed. And try turning your thermostat down five degrees. Each degree saves about 2% on your heating bill. Five degrees would save about $100 on a $1,000 annual heating bill. And remember, local jurisdictions do have a minimum heating requirement. Um, here in Hagerstown, we require uh, homes to maintain a temperature of 65 degrees Fahrenheit during the winter. And uh, this one will cost you a little bit of money, but it can have a large savings. Make sure you install, or try to install a programmable thermostat, um, and it will do all the work for you. You could also look at some of those newer uh, smart thermostats. I know uh, Sean and I have talked uh, about these before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these are cool because they learn from your habits. They learn from who is in your house, what type, what temperature they like it at, and you can also control it from your smartphone. So something to look into in the future. And uh, one item that our office stresses is having a professional tune-up and inspect your furnace annually. You know, oil burning, uh, oil burning and gas burning furnaces should be checked once a year. 
this can save up to 10% on your heating cost. So yeah, some good tips to follow there. Absolutely. I know personally what happened that kind of made me look more at this as well with the whole pandemic, mm -hmm. a lot of people are at home more often. Mm, good point. And I'm on the six month, you know, budget plan. Sure. So what they do is they, you know, take your six months and they average it. So you kind of know how much your payment is going to be for six months and then it'll reset. Well, it just reset recently and it jumped up uh, $13. Oh, wow. I'm going, why did it jump up $13? Well, we're at home more often. Mm. Jack the heat up more often. That's a really good point. Using everything. So, you know, it can make a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've been able to share a number of things today, a number of tips that can help people. Uh, you know, it, it's a wise investment in many cases. Mm -hmm. Just might have to spend a little bit of money to put these things into, into place, but it's going to save a lot more money. And in most cases, we're talking about things that don't cost any money. It's just changing habits to be conscious of that. So, you know, there are a number of measures that you can do. Now, what we'd also like to offer is that there are a number of tax incentives that someone could take advantage of to basically help make their homes more fuel efficient. For example, there are tax incentives for taking energy savings action uh, that can be found on the IRS website. So you just simply go to irs.gov and there you can just look at the federal tax incentives. You can also check your local jurisdictions. Sometimes there's incentives with local government, so check with your local government as well. And so what we're going to do now is cover some typical questions and answers about the federal energy incentives for residential uh, properties that sometimes people will ask. So for example, some will say, well, are there any incentives for making my home more energy efficient by installing alternative energy equipment? Well, the answer is yes. Uh, there is a residential energy efficient property credit that allows for a credit equal to the applicable percent of the cost of qualified property. And so qualifying properties are solar electric property, uh, solar water heaters, geothermal heat pumps, small wind turbines, and fuel cell property. Uh, I had to look that one up. I didn't know what fuel cell property was. It's kind of complex. I don't I don't know if I've ever seen it, but basically it's a technology that takes natural resources and there can be a number of different ones and converts it into electricity. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you could read and read and read on that. But this uh, fuel cell property is subject to a limitation, which is uh, $500 with respect to each kilowatt, half kilowatt of capacity of the qualified fuel cell property. I know that's complex and technical, but uh, if you look that up, you can find a lot on that. Uh, so another question, is a roof eligible for the residential energy efficient property tax credit? Well, in general, it's not because traditional roofing materials and structural components, um, they're not contributing necessarily to the overall efficiency. So they don't qualify for the credit. However, there are some what are called solar roofing tiles and solar roofing shingles, some nice technology there. And these types of shingles that are solar collecting, they capture the sun's energy. And uh, so they kind of have a dual, dual function. They do protect your roof like traditional shingles, but they also function uh, as solar electric generators. And uh, so that's why those types of uh, roofing components can qualify for the credit. 
components such as roofs decking um, and rafters that really just serve the purpose of roofing or structural function, uh, they do not qualify for the credit. So something else one can think about. Yeah, that's some really good information. I'm curious to learn a little bit more about those uh, fuel cells. So, yeah. yeah, thanks for bringing those up. All right, so what improvements qualify for um, the residential energy property credit for homeowners? Um, in 2018, 2019, and 2020, an individual may claim a credit for 10% of the cost of qualified energy efficiency improvements and the amount of the residential energy property expenditures paid or incurred by the taxpayer during the taxable year. Um, and this does have um, an overall credit limit of $500. You know, qualified energy efficiency um, improvements include the following qualifying products. Um, energy efficient exterior windows, doors, and skylights, roofs, metal and asphalt, and roof products and insulation. Um, residential energy property expenditures include the following qualifying products. Energy efficient heating and air conditioning systems, water heaters, natural gas, propane or oil, and biomass stoves. And please note that the qualifying property must meet the applicable standards in the law. So the residential energy property credit, which expired at the end of December 2014, was extended for two years through December 2016 by the Protecting Americans from Tax Hikes Act of 2015. That's a mouthful. The Consolidated Appropriations Act 2018 extended the credit through December 2017. The non-business energy property credit expired on December 31st, 2017, but was retroactively extended for tax years 2018, 2019, and 2020 on December 20th, 2019, as part of the further consolidated Appropriations Act. The credit had previously been extended by legislation uh, several times. So this is something that's been ongoing for quite some time and it keeps getting extended, which is nice. Mm -hmm. So who qualifies uh, to claim a residential energy property credit? Are there limitations? Well, you may be able to take uh, these credits if you made energy saving improvements to your prin principal residence during the taxable year. So in 2018, 2019, and 2020, the residential energy property credit is limited to an overall lifetime credit of $500. Um, and this is a $200 limit for windows. And there are also other individual credit limitations. So $50 for any advanced main air circulating fan, $150 for any qualified natural gas, propane, or oil furnace, or hot water boiler, and $300 for any item of energy-efficient building property. So the residential energy property credit is non-refundable. A refundable tax credit allows taxpayers to lower their tax liability, liability to zero, but not below zero. So if you want any further information on those, I, I will link... Um, some of this information in the description of the podcast. I know that was a lot. Um, so I'll, send, I'll post some links there so you can read up a little bit more on it. Could you go over it again? My mouth's a little dry, oh, okay. but thanks. All right. <laughs> Never mind then. Yeah. So a, a lot of good, helpful information there. And so, you know, with that, we've given a number of tips on how to save money in your home. You know, with Hagerstown, again, we have a lot of older structures. Absolutely. And it can be difficult to... Um, come up with energy saving ideas for them. Um, at the same time, 
we do have a lot of growth in the city, mm -hmm. right? We've got a lot of newer homes and renovated homes. People are doing major renovations, staying in their homes and improving them. And it's good to know that uh, there are a lot of code requirements to uh, help that as well. In fact, we even have an energy code, uh, which, you know, is part of the history of our codes as well. So when did these energy codes start coming around? Um, mostly it's people who build that are going to be familiar with these energy codes, but it's really important for everybody to kind of be familiar with. So uh, where did these start? Well, back in 1975, there was the American Society of Heating, Refrigeration, and Air Conditioning Engineers, or ASHRAE. And this was approved, uh, they approved the Energy Conservation and New Building Design Standard. So we're talking about, again, 1975, the mid-70s, and for those who were around then, uh, experienced the energy crisis. Some probably remember the long lines waiting at the gas pumps. You know, you might be in a line for an hour or more because, uh, yeah, there, there was, everything was rationed. That's wild. So, yeah, so, you know, starting then, they realized that they needed to put some things into place to conserve energy. So although there was a standard in the 1970s, a formal code book uh, was not created until 1981 with the Mode Code for Energy Conservation. And that in turn evolved into the 1983 Model Energy Code, or MEC. And so the Department of Energy provided the contract to create the 1983 MEC with content based on ASHRAE Standard 90. So kind of a hybrid, you know, put these things together to come up with an energy code. So, of course, since then, these codes have continued to evolve. And as the codes have evolved since 1975, um, there's, of course, been new standards naturally. As we've talked about in past podcasts, uh, technology continues to evolve. And, and, you know, building construction is not exempt. There's always improved methods and materials. So these energy codes have had to move along with them. So, for example, in 2006, uh, what were created was the climate zone maps, and they were improved and consistent for all codes. And this was really just a major step to ensure consistency. And then in 2009, the International Energy Conservation Code was widely adopted by jurisdictions, which required them to uh, meet other standards, such as duct testing, and then also was introduced blower do door testing and that 2012 code required blower door testing that had to meet an efficiency standard. So what these two tests basically did, uh, the one being connection with ductwork, uh, just to make sure everything was being efficient, um, it would test to make sure that there weren't any air leaks or cracks or holes in one system because that would be wasted energy for a homeowner. So that was a nice code to be put in place. And then the blower door tests as uh, to basically to make sure that that blower door is airtight. It's not leaking as well in the home. So those are some things that we're putting in place to actually help homeowners uh, indirectly. Also, uh, another example, uh, the 2009 code book implemented was lighting efficiency, meaning that 50% of per permanently installed lighting fixtures are to use high efficiency lamps. And in 2012, that efficiency level was raised to 75%. And then in 2018 was raised to 90%. Wow. 
and other as, other added uh, improvements as well, such as in 2012, the insulation walls uh, in, in walls was required to come up to R20. So uh, again, we're talking about a number of improvements, but at the same time, we're talking about things that cost money, and uh, they have to be absorbed somewhere. So naturally, you know, sometimes we receive complaints about mm -hmm. the energy codes that they're hard to meet, they're expensive. Well, uh, it's good to know also that that's taken into consideration as well. And so the 2008, the 2018 code uh, was really more friendly. And when you look at that energy code, 2018, there's an energy rating index. And what that did is that gave uh, builders or developers uh, kind of four different pathways or, or ways to be compliant with the energy code. So it gave them options as well. So a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, it's very interesting and good to know. So thank you for all that. All right, so now we're, uh, you know, we talked about the winter months coming with the winter months uh, come the holidays. And we you know, want to make sure that you are safe in your home as you have people over. Um, you know, at times people decorate and entertain uh, with safety not always at the top of their mind. You know, first thing we want to talk about are decorations. So we want to be careful with your holiday decorations. You know, choose decorations that are flame resistant or flame retardant. Uh, keep decora decorations away from the heat, uh, heat source. Um, nearly half of holiday fires occur because decorations are placed too close to a heat source. When we're looking at electrical, uh, make sure, uh, you know, some lights are specifically for indoor or outdoor use, but not both. So make sure you're paying attention to those uses. Turn off all light strings and decorations before leaving the home or going to bed. Make sure you use clips instead of nails to hang lights so the cords that do not get damaged. And replace any string of lights with worn or broken cords or loose bulb connections. You know, read the manufacturer's instructions for the number of light strands to connect. Um, when using candles, make sure you blow out the lit candles before you leave the room or go to bed and keep lit candles away from decorations and other things that can burn. And as far as entertaining, uh, make sure you stay in the kitchen when cooking on the stovetop. Uh, keep children and pets away from the lit candles. And just overall, um, when you're having people over right now during the pandemic, just make sure that you are uh, being safe. You know, that's the best thing that we can do right now. Mm -hmm. So, all right, well, that about wraps it up for the main content of the show. Uh, make sure that you uh, follow us on our uh, social media platforms. You can search for the Hubbub Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can find the podcast on YouTube, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much every major podcast platform. We are there. Um, I think it's time for our weird news story. So, Got to make time for that. Always, always. So the headline of this weird news story is deer crashes through window in accounting office. <laughs> so there's a video that goes along with this. I'll uh, link it in the podcast so you can check it out. But basically, a security cameras caught a deer crash through a window at a barber shop at around 5 a.m. So when the owner came into work uh, later in the morning, they were very shocked, and the deer was still there. <laughs> Whenever they got there, it was just running around like crazy. It did leave. Um, it was safe, but uh, just very uh, interesting to walk into on a you know work day. So. <laughs> 
And then after a day of cleanup, uh, the owner offered a promotion stating that haircuts would be a couple bucks off. So, <laughs> you wanted your dad joke, you got your dad joke. So. Awesome. That's funny. That's good stuff. Uh, all right, as well, our musical guest for this month. Um, this guy, a really nice sound as well. Uh, he's been playing for mu music for some 30 years. He's wow. played with a few different groups. Uh, right now, he kind of has a, his own solo acoustic act that he's been doing for the past five years. And he plays all over surrounding states and all kinds of venues, breweries, wineries, local restaurants. He's still performing in some places. Okay. He's still going. Yeah. Um, Brian Nichols is who we're talking about. And he actually works for our local Washington County as well. Very cool. So, yeah, he's very much a local guy. And... Um, you know, listen to his music. He covers a lot of different genres of music, country, classic rock, you name it. Really, really nice sound, really kind of easy listen. And so, of course, you can find Brian Nichols. Look him up on uh, social media. He's got a Facebook page. Um, Brian Nichols, the acoustic musician, is actually his Facebook, so okay. you can kind of narrow it down. Good to know. So, yeah, so uh, let's take our show out and listening to our musical guest, Brian Nichols. Life is older, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, blowing like a breeze, country roads, take me home to the place. Painted on the 